All right. So with this time, I wanted to talk about being loved. Like, what does it mean to be loved? What is what is love anyways? Right. I, I don't know about you, but I used to always throw this word around acting like I knew what it meant when I really didn't understand what it meant. And so, for example, when I know when I would get into the toxic relationships, trying to chase the, the one way street, the man eater type woman. I would always be like, I love you, I love you, I love you. And I barely even know the woman <laughs> saying I love her. And and it's like, I'm just saying that as just to say it. Don't really know what it means. But yet at the same time, if this person, that woman I was chasing, didn't give me any attention, I would try and manipulate uh, and do things to get her attention. And making it all about me when I, even though I'm saying I love you and so those things contradict because love is constant action and devotion to, to someone else or something else where it's not about you it's about the other person or the other thing so love is constant action like constantly building other, building someone up constantly uh, empathizing with that person, constantly looking for chances to serve them and make their burdens lighter, constantly looking to help them, uh, you know, feel good inside, constant, constantly looking to help them their dreams come true, constantly being mindful of their needs and being mindful of their feelings, constantly making an honest effort to pay attention to all of your passions. To, I mean, to all of somebody's passions and uh, what they're really excited about. Constant curiosity to learn about the person. But there's been so many times where you grew up with trauma or dysfunctional homes or toxic relationships. There's always been this like, oh, I love you. It's like, you love me, but you just beat the crap out of me and bared false witness against me and threw me in prison. And then you say you love me. That's exactly why Jesus told us to judge people by their fruits. He says, you shall know them by their fruits. By their fruits, you shall know them. Because results don't lie. So it's like, yeah, you say you love me. Well, if you love me, for one, stop be beating the crap out of me and stop lying about me. If you, if you say you love me, then you would do those loving actions. So how do you know when you're being loved? Like, well, you can do it on the opposite. Like... You can know that you're being loved because they're not beating their crap out of you, for one. They're not putting you down. If anything, they're building you up. Uh, they're, you know, if anything, the person who loves you is being mindful of your feelings, is being really genuinely interested in what you're interested in, uh, really genu gen genuinely curious about who you are and what makes you tick, and, and genuinely has integrity to not talk about your business and to not uh, deprecate you in front of anybody else, whether that's in public or in private. It's when people, you know, you know you're being loved when people are giving you gifts expecting nothing in return, or they do acts of service expecting nothing in return. And I don't know about you, but I don't know how many times people have tried to leverage me when they do nice things for me. Like they might they might give they might be nice and give me a computer and be like oh you can have this computer i'm not using it anyway it's all good but then when they get mad at me a little bit later they say something like give me that that computer i thought i was giving it to a friend or like if if uh, a family member 
you know, does all these nice things for you. And then they get upset. They can't manipulate you or get upset that you don't want to do what they want you to do. And then they just throw it in your face saying, and after all I've done for you, you won't do this for me. It's like, well, that's not giving then. If you're going to try and throw it in my face or trying to use it to leverage me or manipulate me to do what you want me to do, that's not giving. If that's the way you're going to so-called give things to me, then I don't want to receive anything from you in the, anymore. And anything that you have given to me, you can have back. That's not giving. That's not love. Trying to just hold things over my head, trying to manipulate me for later use. Don't ever fall for that. If anybody's trying to say, after all I've done for you, don't ever give in to that. Because it's like, you know what? Let me tell you the difference between you and me. You would say the difference between you and me is that I would never try to force you or manipulate you to do something you didn't want to do, which is what I feel you're trying to do to me right now. And what is it like to feel loved anyway? It's also when you just feel like that you matter to the person, like your feelings matter, that you feel safe, you feel like you can be yourself. That's part of safety. You feel bliss. You feel important. You feel seen. But with this kind of love where it feels so good to, well, again, it's uncomfortable at first because I was talking about before when when you haven't experienced much love because of all the trauma and whether the trauma's over and you're beating yourself up forever afterwards, like in my case, or when the, or you're just dealing with PTSD or CPTSD stuff in the, for anyway, uh, where you're dealing with all these horrible things and you got this uh, trauma and you constantly don't know love. You just constantly know, you know, being miserable and being depressed and being deprecated, beating yourself up, getting abused over and over. You don't really know much love at that point. So when you do start experiencing love like this, it's going to freak you out. It's going to be unknown. And again, to you, the unconscious mind, to your submind, the unknown is scarier. It's scarier than the abuse you're going through. So it's going to want you to keep getting with toxic people on purpose or uh, staying in unhealthy, depressing situations on purpose because of the feeling love is just so uncomfortable. But also, too, it's unreasonable. To the mainly the the thing about love too is that we're all seeking this unconditional love, uh, especially since uh, you know you didn't get it in your childhood or because of trauma you didn't get the unconditional love that you so craved or that you actually deserve. I mean that you deserve this unconditional love, anyways. But this unconditional perfect love that we all seek is not capable of getting from humans you know even from the most perfect mother most perfect dad or the most perfect spouse uh, or perfect boyfriend or girlfriend it's like it, it's it's impossible to get that kind of love the only person you can give you that perfect unconditional love is god right so it's also very important that we don't put that kind of requirement on your spouse or girlfriend which is what i would do though in when i was again in those bad relationships i would constantly look for the woman to save me like you got to love me you you have to love me unconditionally you got to love me uh to all the ways that I was failed to be loved like you have to do this and if you don't I will manipulate you and to make sure you do love me this way that's impossible to do and even then you're like I'm gonna try and do this that's not love if you're trying to manipulate someone to love you a certain way that's not love either again you're making that all about you instead of all about the other person so that's what uh, that's when this formula came to my mind, where God taught me this formula, where he was, this is the formula for love and relationships, son, is that you focus on getting love from me, because I am God, and I can give you love perfectly and unconditionally, 
And then because you receive love from me, you never have to worry about getting the other person that you're with, that if they don't love you back enough, whatever, uh, that you don't put that kind of pressure on them to be perfect or to love you perfectly, which they can't do. It's unreasonable. And that way, there are going to be days when your spouse, you know, can't love you back, but at least on those days, because you have learned how to receive love from me, you won't freak out. And so, yeah, so that's getting this love from God so that I can give it to her as much so I can keep loving her as best as I can. And then as I love and give uh, give her love, I don't expect anything in return. I mean, I always hope I'm loved in return, but I still don't, you know, don't expect it. Like, it's like, I don't do it expecting her to love me back for it. Like, I don't do it expecting something like, you know, I just do it to help her feel good inside. I mean, that little, that little formula helped with my dating so much, for example, when it came to text messages and just talking to them on the phone or even dating, get to know the woman, because it really just helped me so much when I would send a text message, I would be like, okay, I asked you a question or I sent this compliment to you or I just gave you this random message and that's for you. And I'm going to leave it alone. I'm not going to freak out if you don't answer back. You know, it's like, if it's been a few days, it's been a few days because that message was for you. And at it's expecting nothing in return. So again, it's uh, I really want to emphasize on that giving part. Again, giving is expecting nothing in return because if you expect something in return, it's not giving. It's not giving. You expect something in return. You're thinking you're setting up for this quid quo pro stuff. Like I'll do, I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. It's like no, it should just be giving. I'm gonna scratch your back just for the sake of doing it because I want you to feel good. And it's really neat because as you genuinely give love this way, the other person naturally gets, naturally feels inclined to love back anyways because they feel so touched that you did do something so wholeheartedly that you are giving them genuine love. They feel like they want to love back anyways. I mean, as long as it's a person you can receive love because, again, receiving love is not so easy for the people who have a lot of emotional problems or uh, people are in narcissism and things like that for their survival. Uh, yeah, so if you're with the wrong person, then receiving love can be a real big problem for you. Because again, every time you try and start giving them love, they're going to be like, oh, I got the feeling monster. I don't want to deal with the feeling monster, so I won't accept this love for me. Instead, I'm going to make you, I'm going to destroy it, or I'm going to do horrible things to make you hate me. So that way you don't love me anymore because it feels uncomfortable. But that also makes me think about boundaries too. Like, how do you even set boundaries for yourself, right? Especially if you grew up with uh, always being passive and always just gone through so much uh, abuse and everything because you didn't know that you didn't know about boundaries back then, you know. So it's like, how do I make boundaries now? So this is what I did to, to, to do boundaries. I would brainstorm all the ways I treated and loved people and wrote a big list about them. Uh, some of them included, like, I will never make you f uh, try to force and manipulate you to do something you don't want to do. I will never put you down in deprecating, sarcastic ways. I will uh, always make a best effort to make uh, to respect your dreams and to never deprecate your dreams. I will always make a best effort to listen, to actively listen to your needs and your feelings. And I will always make a best effort to take care of myself and get my love from God so that way I always have love to give you and then after that I can have that list of standards the way I treat people and then I can say okay this is what I expect out of other people to treat me then 
Because if they start making me feel like to manipulate me, do things I don't want to do, then that's a problem because I don't treat people that way. And so what's cool that when they do cross the boundary, you can, this is how you react to that. You just say, hey, that's not cool. I would not have done that to you. And you can say that with so much authenticity because you know you wouldn't do that to them because that's why you wrote that boundary down in the first place. Or if you didn't write the boundary down, because it might be something you haven't thought of, you can just think about it like, would I really do that to someone else? And then you could be like, no, I wouldn't. And then you can say, hey, that's not cool. I would not have done that to you. I would not have done that to you. And then you just wait for a response. Just wait for a response. When you, when you, when you call them out that say, I would not have done that to you, wait to see what they do. If they apologize or if, they're, if they feel bad, then, then you're okay. Then that means they show love and respect for you but if they get defensive instead and say oh that's not true that's you know i i'm not doing i'm not hurting you in this way and it's like when they clearly are then that's uh, when you have to say okay i just have to get up and leave you, you get up and proceed the exit whether that means you get off the phone you stop texting them or you leave the room uh or you just leave the inter- relationship entirely whatever you just get up and exit and make that statement that hey i don't have to put up with this then because boundaries are important boundaries are a great, uh, part of the formula as well because it's like yes expect get love from god expect nothing in return while maintaining boundaries of self-respect for yourself because god has boundaries absolutely god is that's why god will send hellfire that's why god will say to, I'm going to destroy this people if they don't repent and things like that because God's not going to take that abuse. I'm not going to say it's okay to do whatever, you, do whatever you want and continually to do works of darkness and hurt my beloved children and hurt me. He's not going to say it's okay because it's not. And so that's a with this whole this formula where you want to give expecting nothing in return. You can also bring that back to how do you know you love somebody? Well. Do you really want to sacrifice for them constantly? Do you really want to be devoted to, for this person? Do you want to constantly give things to them, expecting nothing in return? Like, do you want them to feel good inside all the time? Do you want to protect them? Do you want to build, provide for them? Or do you want to nurture them? Do you want to learn more about them? You know, do you, do you, really want to help their dreams come true do you want to be part of their dreams and again doing all of this except nothing in return other than the joy of being able to love this person not not trying to do it in hopes not trying to do it to say yes i'm going to do this so i can use my fun survival technique to manipulate the person into loving me so that way i can feel loved and never have to deal with the feeling monster i get love from god and i get love that way so i don't have to obsess over trying to control this person with the fun survival technique where i'm constantly trying to love them and shower them with gifts and all of these things saying yes yes i want to do these things but am i really wanting to do them for her sake or for my sake you know or for 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 their sake or my sake it's like who is it really for because if it's just so that i can you know if it's just so that i can or you can just Make sure they constantly love you because you don't want to deal with the feeling monster or deal with um, or try to fill that void of receiving love because you don't receive the love in front of you from God. It's like that's not good either. Then, of course, the the boundaries makes me think about the friend zone, because 
you know, what about the friend zone? I used to always hate the friend zone. Like, oh, you can't be friend zone. It's horrible because, you know, she'll never like see you more than a friend. Well, I used to freak out about the friend zone as well. And I would complain about the friend zone to God. And God would tell me like, hey, the friend zone isn't bad, son. It's like the problem is, is you don't have boundaries while you're in the friend zone. You keep giving yourself away. Like you keep telling them, you keep telling the ladies how much you love them and you keep, you know, buying things for them, paying their bills, doing things you shouldn't be doing because they don't deserve that kind of love from you at that point. If you're, if they're, if you're friends, you need to treat them as a friend, as a homie. Cause yeah, that's why the friend zone is so dangerous. It's not so much that your friends, the point is, is that your friends while giving yourself your heart away to this person, and then, yeah, you would forever stay in the friend zone at at that point. I mean, it is true, though, that you could technically could technically choose to love you. But a lot of times it just makes it 100 times harder if they already have you wrapped around their finger. So if, if you're just in the friend zone, just remember that she does not or he, you know, whoever's listening, that they do not deserve your love. They do not deserve your romantic love and romantic attention. If they are your friends, then you got to keep it as a friend level. And at times, it's like, well, how do I, what do you do then when the, you, you know, when you try to be more than friends and the other person rejects you and says, we can still be friends, even though you offered your heart up. Well, the only thing you can do at that point is to not interact with that said friend that you're in love with at that time and break it and get over that fact and usually at least takes a, at least two or three months to do that uh, where you, if you can break it off for some time and truly come back and treat them as a homie then you still have hope again and and some degree but even then by the time you come back you shouldn't have hope anyway because you should be over it by then <laughs> otherwise you can't be friends or the other thing is like, well, I don't want it to ruin the friendship. It won't really ruin the friendship if you make a leap for it. It will ruin the friendship though if you uh, if you make a leap for it and then you stay friends, even though she just turned you down or he just turned you down. You need to break away and heal first. And after you've done that for some time, then later down the road you can still be friends if you wish. Because what's interesting about love, love is so addicting. It is the most addicting, biologically, uh, chemically, spiritually, the most addicting life force, like the most, the strongest force, uh, you know, on earth or in the universe, whatever, because God is love. And they say God is love as well. So it's so, it's such a powerful, addicting thing. It's like, you're always going to be addicting to loving that person. You know, so it's it's something that you can't just all of a sudden turn off overnight. Like you have to go through the grieving, the withdrawal process of not being able to love that person, to be able to mourn that you can't love that person the way you wanted to, the way you had hoped to. So that's why you have to break it off for a bit so you can mourn and get that love addiction, get your love needles out of that person, you know, so they're you're not so addicted to giving your heart away to them every day, day after day. And this makes me also think about when it comes to love and love and relationships, even if they're bad or toxic ones. And then 
you know, the the man or the woman's treating that person really bad. And they say, well, why can't you just leave them? Just leave them. I don't understand. Why can't you just leave them? And it's so frustrating to hear that now because it's like loving somebody is the most addicting thing ever. Like you can't just stop loving them all of a sudden, no matter how bad they're treating you. So like you need a really good, strong reason to walk away when you're in love like that. When you addict, even if they're treating you really bad, you need, you still need a strong enough reason to give your body a good reason to fight that pain of withdrawals from loving this person. And so a lot of times, yeah, if they're trying to hurt you or if they're being abusive, that usually does give you a strong enough reason to go through that withdrawal process. But even then, it's still a withdrawal process. Like you, they still need help from people, uh, with, from people to hold their arms down to make sure they don't grab the phone, to make sure they don't text them, to make sure they don't Facebook stalk them, you know, so they, they or Instagram stalk them. Like, you, you still got to make a strong effort, even with that strong reason why you're breaking away from this person. You still need all this extra work and effort to break off that connection you had with this person. So, no, it's not that easy. And or especially if you've been used to taking abuse or if you've been through some trauma or PTSD or CPTSD stuff, you're not going to be able to just like leave your abuser overnight. I mean, it would be nice if you like all of a sudden could be like, oh, I deserve better than this, so I'm going to leave. But the, the, you got there. The, the whole reason why you're there in the first place is because of all the negative thinking and the refusing to be loved because you can't deal with flashbacks and all the amount of courage it takes to face the flashbacks on top of the, uh, the fact that you're addicted to loving this person. It's, it can be very complicated. And then here comes... All right, and then here comes the other thing when it comes to the answer that, I mean, the questions that people always ask, well, why do women always like bad boys or jerks or, the, you know, girls like guys who are, you know, mean to them or jerks to them? It's not really true. Well, it is true in a way, but it's just the reason why women can like jerks and bad boys is because it helps build their ego. It, and especially if they have emotional problems, they don't want to deal with flashbacks. The only way to really survive is to build up ego. And so they would get a huge ego trip if they can be the one special enough to fix the guy or to be the one pretty enough and, you know, special enough to be, look, I helped change him. But, you know, it's so funny, like, even if they did somehow, they can't change him, but even if they did somehow did change them to be a good person, then that said woman would have to leave because then she's like, oh, crap, now he's loving me back and now I have to deal with feeling monster I don't want to deal with feelings. I don't want to deal with flashbacks. I just want to build up ego. And this no longer helps my ego because of how nice he's being. So I'm out of here. And then she'll find a new bad boy to start again. You know, or again, or they just like the bad boys because they don't have to worry about being loved back. So they can have being hopeful one day. Just like the same reason I like the bad woman, right? Didn't want to be loved back. And then it comes down to... Uh, you know, women like confidence and why do women like confidence and what does it mean that women like confidence? Confidence in what? Like, I'm confident on working on computers because I've done so much work and wrecked so many of them and but I got so much work experience by building my own computers and building computers for others and you know, fixing viruses and so forth like that so I have a lot of confidence with computers because I've done a lot of work on that. But I'm not confident at cars. I don't even change my oil. Like working on cars freaks me out. Like all the money I save on on computer stuff of knowing about to fix computers just goes to back into my car because I'm 
pretty stupid when it comes to cars, not confident at all with that. So when the women say they, they like confidence, they're saying they like someone who is confident, self-confident, in other words, has high self-esteem. And this is what God taught me about this confidence and this high self-esteem is that it can be bought with hard work. So, cause I was very low self-esteem, uh, very unconfident with the woman. And that's why I would always go after the, the safe targets who wouldn't love me back and things. I would be very passive when they would be mean to me, constantly give myself away, even though they said they always saw me as a friend. Like I was definitely not the person to have any self-confidence to hold down a, a marriage with a pretty woman like I do now. But it was neat that I was able to be taught the the hard work though of going through the flashbacks and building myself up and learning about my gifts and learning how I matter, uh, learning how to have boundaries for myself and self-respect, learning to get love from God so I'm not so reliant on other people to try and do it for me, uh, learning how to receive that love from God uh, and learning about my dreams, what my dreams are, learning about my passions and uh, just learning about myself because the more you get to know yourself, the more you understand yourself, the more you love yourself because it's hard to hate somebody you understand. And so if you start doing that more, you start loving yourself more and liking yourself more and then you have this extra confidence that the girls are looking for. It was bought with hard work. Not just faking it, not just having this egotistical uh you know, narcissism about you that you just think you're this all this hot stuff when you're just lazy. Uh, it's it's really true, authentic confidence when it's bought with hard work. It's the same thing with the guys or the girls. Like that's the kind of confidence that people are looking for because they're looking for somebody that they can get to know, but someone that can hold their own because they can't be that. It's impossible for them to be that spot of unconditional love because again, only God can fill that spot. But you do choose who you love. Like you ultimately choose who you choose to love and who you choose to pursue. And so you may find yourself, you know, falling, getting feelings for people who aren't good for you. Uh, but then that's when, if you have boundaries for yourself, you could be like, well, I see a bad future. I don't see this going very well. So I'm going to have to break it off with you and, you know, stop pursuing you or stop pursuing this because I don't want that future. Right. So you choose who you love. You choose who you pursue. And so when you stop making it about this ego trip because, you know, like, oh, I have to get the prettiest girl to build my ego or the girls like I have to get the good looking guy who's a bad boy to build my ego. It's like you you won't really need those ego trips anymore because you're receiving love and value for yourself through the healthy ways, through God and through learning about yourself and through the boundaries. And, you know, regardless, you've been through trauma or not that. You don't need those ego trips anymore and that ego trips suck they, they suck compared to the authentic self-care and value anyways and that you are able to make a more uh, uh a better judgment call when it comes to choosing who you love to choose somebody healthy so again that that formula has been making my marriage full of bliss though the getting love from god focus on getting love from god and then giving love to my wife expecting nothing in return while maintaining boundaries of self-respect it's just like that formula has been key and that also helps with all of my other relationships too with my friends and uh with family members is because hey i'm not gonna freak out as much anymore i'm able to know i'm loved no matter what so i can be confident and calm about things instead of overreacting about every little thing
And please know that you're always worthy of love. You always deserve love. If you're a child of God here on earth, it, you know, not doing the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost, whatever, um, you know, you're always going to be deserving of love. And never feel guilty that you're partaking of the love of God because it's that love of God that will help change you. So it's like, oh, I've been through all these sins and stuff. It's like, no, that love of God will help you make better changes because you automatically just feel so good. And then you start realizing that this is what you wanted your whole life. That you could be like, this is it, the love of God. This is what I've been searching for. This is what Jesus meant saying that he shall taste of my bread, shall never hunger, or drink of my water, shall never thirst, because this is the love I was looking for. This is great feeling. This is what I was looking for. And then you automatically can just be like, oh, man, sorry about wrecking everybody. I just wanted to feel this great feeling of love. But now that I have that, I realize I didn't have to do those horrible things. Sorry. Sorry, everybody. Kind of like Lancelot on Holy Grail when he was killing everybody and he, at the wedding when he was like, sorry, sorry, everybody. He killed my auntie. Sorry. See, I just get carried away. 